What an incredible time of, of worship, man. I love seeing First Wednesdays. I think we're going to need that build, new building a little sooner than later. Amen? Amen. And thank you guys for hanging out and for grabbing a seat on the floor in the altar. No better place to be than in the altars. Amen? Oh, it's exciting. Well, uh, we're going to continue our study this year through the Holy Spirit. Um, and we're going to close out our little mini series we've been doing on the spiritual gifts. Anybody excited about learning over the spiritual gifts here at First Wednesdays? Has it been pretty exciting learning? Well, we're going to wrap up our mini series on the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to close out the Holy Spirit series next week. Uh, but I want to start off by asking you tonight, what is your favorite Bible verse? Anybody know what their favorite Bible verse? Who, raise your hand if it's Philippians 4.13. Anybody in the room? I can do all things through Christ, right? I quoted that at a basketball game. I still couldn't dunk it. I mean, I could, I could do all things except for dunk. Um, I still got the, the, I got the Jordans on, but it didn't help me either, right? No prayer, no Jordans, not helping me. How about Jeremiah 29, 11? Anybody got that one on your Instagram bio? Anybody else? For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. They are good and they are not of evil. That you might prosper. Like that verse is so beautiful, right? Put it on my Instagram bio. Who loves 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Anybody's grandma have that in the bathroom? That's what mine did. All right, here, here's, what it, here's what it says. So now faith, hope, and love abide. But these three, the greatest of these is love. Anybody else know that? It's like the famous wedding verse, isn't it? But here's what's so interesting is oftentimes, uh, many of our favorite Bible verses are kind of taken out of context. Like Philippians 4.13 is not about you dunking a basketball or getting a winning touchdown or asking that girl on a date. I know you can do it, right? She's going to say yes in Jesus' name. Uh, or, or Jeremiah 29.11, you know what that context actually is? Uh, it was God preparing the hearts of the Israelites before they were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Yeah, we forgot about that part, right? The context is, is missing. Or 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13. Now faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That is not a wedding verse. I don't know if you knew that or not. It is not for child dedications. Um, it's out of context because the actual context of 1 Corinthians 13 is spiritual gifts. You don't, you don't believe me? Because we got to read the text in the what? Context. Okay, let me read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. Here's what it says. Earnestly desire, what? Spiritual gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. So what we've seen is that Paul has been talking about how we use and operate and learn and grow and discover these spiritual gifts, these supernatural endowments that God blesses us with as believers to serve others and to grow the kingdom. And so we've been talking about spiritual gifts. I mean, everything from the gift of leadership, the gift of teaching, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gifts of words of knowledge and hospitality, bacon muffins for Jesus. Amen. And so we've been learning all about these spiritual gifts. And then all of a sudden we come to 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. How do we use the gifts? And then he begins to talk about love. But then what comes right after that? Well, 1 Corinthians 14.1, here's what it says. Pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Your favorite Bible verse is actually a verse about how we use our spiritual gifts. It's not about a wedding verse, although it could be used at a wedding, that's fine. 
But it's actually Paul teaching the church in Corinth how they are to use their spiritual gifts. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk about how we use our spiritual gifts here at Redemption. Anybody wanna discover their gifts? Anybody like, what is my gift? What's God's gift for me? I wanna learn how I can serve and bless and help and, 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 and grow the kingdom of God. Anybody wanna learn how to discover their gifts? Here's the excellent way. He says this, we discover our gifts when we love one another. When you love one another, when you love your church, when you love the person sitting next to you, when you love, love the stranger who's walking in for the first time or first time in a long time, when you're stretching your hands out and you're praying over those who are in our church with the prayer request cards, what you're doing is you are discovering your gift by loving another person. And when you love somebody, you will inevitably discover and use what that gift is because that's what the gifts are. It's God's way of loving someone through us that God's love flows to us and then flows through us by serving others and using our spiritual gifts. And so I'm gonna take time tonight and I'm gonna help us learn how to use our gifts here at Redemption. I'm gonna read you 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter, so we can keep it in context. Here's what he says. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, what is that? That's spiritual gifts. He's saying, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, then I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, what's that? Spiritual gifts. And understand all mysteries and knowledge, spiritual gifts, and have all faith so I can remove mountains, but I have not love, then I am nothing. If I give all that I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, what is that? That's the gift of generosity. And, but I have not love, then I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For I know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall be fully known, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, love abides. And these three, the greatest of these, everybody say it together, is love. Amen. This is actually teaching us as a church how we use our spiritual gifts. And what he is telling us is that the way a church is to operate in the spiritual gifts is to be governed by our love for one another. Now, confession. I grew up in a very charismatic Church. Anybody else grow up charismatic? Raise both hands. I know you want to. Shabba haba bob, right? Glory, hallelujah. Should have bought a Honda, but instead you bought a Kia. Um, <laughs> teach me how to tie my bow tie. Uh, that's the church I grew up in, right? Very charismatic church. And what I ended up experiencing was some abuse and misuse of the spiritual gifts. I, I've seen some negative things. I've seen people come in and prophesy and actually make people pay for them to be prayed for, pay to pray, that's, that's horrible. I remember I saw one woman, she came in, she, was, she claimed that she was a prophet 
and she held up her Bible. She said, this is God's word. And we said, amen. And then she put the Bible down. She said, now I'm gonna give you the word of God. And she never picked up her Bible after that. I was like, where, can, we get, can we get back to the book? Get back to the book, right? I mean, I've seen some abuses, so much so that it, it, it led me to begin to become what I would consider a functional cessationist. Cessationist, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. It basically means that, hey, the, the miraculous gifts are not operational today. Now, I would not agree with that, but functionally, that's the way that I acted because I didn't wanna be associated with that and so I was really hesitant on embracing or teaching even the, the spiritual gifts. And then what I realized is, is this, is that misuse of gifts doesn't mean we should not use gifts. Just because somebody misuses something doesn't mean that we shouldn't use them at all. Let me give you some examples. Like, I mean, I've seen, you've probably seen the charlatans on YouTube or on social media where they have a big crowd and they're bopping people on the head and they're flopping like fishes and laying down and they're naming, claiming, grab, and blabbing, grabbing. You've probably seen all that. And it creates a disdain in a lot of people because they're being, they're misusing and they're abusing not only gifts, but people at the same time. And so we like, I don't want to be associated with that. So we retreat or we withdraw or we silence ourselves, which is the context of 1 Corinthians by the way, Paul is actually rebuking the Corinthian church for their fanatical display and misuse of the spiritual gifts. And so, but what you notice is this, is that even in the midst of that, Paul still tells them desire the gifts. He just wants them to do it the right way. We want to desire them the right way. And so what I came to the conclusion is that misuse does not mean no use because the way you counteract bad teaching isn't with no teaching, but with good teaching. Think about it and apply this logic elsewhere. Let's say you go to a restaurant and you get bad service. Are you gonna say, well, I'm never going to a restaurant again? Well, you got bad service. Well, why wouldn't you get rid of restaurants altogether? You're just gonna stay home and eat PBJs all the time, right? You're like, no, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna find a way to, to have a good experience somewhere else. Or let's use this one. Let's say the Houston Astros did not make it in the World Series and your heart is broken, right? <laughs> so are you just going to give up on baseball altogether? Are you just gonna give up on baseball altogether? No, no, you're, you're, still, gonna, you're still going to love the game, but we're gonna do better next year, amen? Or you see that logic just doesn't apply. That because somebody does something wrong, we're gonna get rid of it altogether. We're not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're gonna learn how to use our spiritual gifts appropriately. And so misuse or abuse does not mean no use. It just means we need to figure out how we operate them in a correct, healthy, and a biblical way. And Paul gives us the way. What is the way? He says it's through love. That when we love one another, we will discover how we use our, our spiritual gifts. And so I wanna give you three ways, uh, three lessons that we can learn from this text regarding um, how we use our spiritual gifts. The first thing is this, is the priority of love. I, 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 every single one of these starts with a P. I worked really hard so that way you can remember the alliteration. Number one, the priority of love. Here's what it says. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries, 
peace and all knowledge. And I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love that I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, then I gain nothing. The context here is this. Paul's saying, yeah, you could talk in tongues, but if you're also a jerk, it don't count. He says, oh, you can have the faith to move a mountain, but if you don't love somebody, then it doesn't mean anything. You could give your body to be burned, or in another way, you could give to heart for the house, and you could write the $2 million check we need to move into that building next week, and if you do it, but you don't do it out of love, then we'll cash the check, but you ain't getting credit in heaven, because... Because you're not using your gift in a way that glorifies God because you're not doing it the way that God tells us to do it, with, with love. So I have an illustration. I need help. Caitlin, can you come up here and give me a hand? Hey, everybody, give Caitlin a, a hand. Give her a round of applause. We got Caitlin Kohler music over here. Hey, you should go listen to her on Spotify. There we go. She's got an album out on Spotify. And so, um, so what Caitlin's going to do for us is she's going to give us an example because Paul here says that, that, that uh, if we can speak in tongues of men and angels, we don't have love, then we're a noisy gong. We're a clanging cymbal. Now, if we were to flip it and reverse it, then what would happen is we speak in tongues of men and angels and we do have love, then it would create a beautiful symphony. It would be a lovely noise. So Caitlin, could you play us a lovely song? Amen, come on, isn't that beautiful? All right, Caitlin, my turn now, my turn. Thank you so much. Now, what key was that in? I've made one of those in high school um, <laughs> and in college. <laughs> All right, you ready? Speak it in tongues of men and angels with love. Sounds beautiful. How about when I try it? I'll be leading worship this Sunday. Anybody want to come? What Paul's saying is this. If you use your gifts without love, you sound like trash. <laughs> but if you use your gifts with love, then it makes a beautiful noise. It's a great, it's a great symphony. Now, here's my question. Just the same way y'all wouldn't come back to church this Sunday if I'm leading worship, why would anybody want to come to our church if we're not loving? Because if we use our gifts but we do not love, then it counts for nothing. Who cares if we're the most gifted church in Southeast Texas, if we're not the most loving church in Southeast Texas? I mean, it's pointless for us to be, oh man, they got the, they got the spiritual gifts. They're, oh, look at that. They got prophecy. They got healing. They got tongues. Oh, they got serving and hospitality. But when I walk in, I don't feel welcomed. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel loved. Who cares if we are the most gifted church, if we're not the most loving church? He says, if you use your gifts, but you don't have love, then you have nothing. Another way to say it is like this, is spiritual gifts are not the same thing as spiritual maturity. You ever met somebody, they're like, I'm so mature. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, I got, look at me, I got spiritual gifts. Yeah, but you don't have spiritual maturity because you're using your gifts, but you're not loving people, which means you're using people to elevate yourself. 
It, Paul t- says this in Galatians 6. He, sa- he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The idea is this, that the fruit of the Spirit trumps the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what governs the gifts of the Spirit. How we use our gifts should be dictated by the way that we love somebody else. And so the priority of a spirit-filled, gifted church, first and foremost, should be our love for others. That's what governs our gifted. The second thing is the the principles of love. The the way that we uh, use our gifts, here's what he says. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. I want you to notice that each one of the... um, characteristics that he just mentioned, the principles, those are not feelings. Those are choices. All right. Look, look at it. He says it's patience. Love, love is patient. Oh, that's not a feeling. I don't feel very patient. I have to choose to be, to be patient. And this is important because we live in a world where everybody is living out and dictated by their emotions or by their feelings or what they feel. And they equate love with a feeling. Oh, I feel so loved. I want to be loved. Nobody loves me. I want to be loved. Oh, it's all about love. Love is all we need. I don't feel very loved. It's fascinating that in a society that is so focused on love, nobody actually truly feels very loved. And that's because love is not a a feeling, but rather love is a choice. Let me tell you it like this. I love my wife, Ashley. I love my two daughters, Esther and Ruth. I love tacos. And I love going to the gym. Now, tacos in the gym, they don't get along. And so sometimes I have to choose the gym over my feeling for tacos because I know what the right choice is because that's the decision that's going to help me be healthy, be strong and be better. Right? So my, my marriage with Ashley, right? There's some days that I thank God. She remembers our covenant because other than that, (laughs) love is not always a feeling. Amen. Don't say that out loud. Your wife is sitting next to you, right? Be like, amen, you said that too loud, brother. Uh, but it is, it is a choice. Like we have to choose on the days we don't feel like loving each other. We have to choose to love one another. Or, or my kids, Esther and Ruth. I love them so much, but man, I need some time apart sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. This is free therapy for me, so I'll just say it. I have hid from my kids. Anybody else? All right, altars will be open. That's an altar call moment. Y'all just raise your hand for salvation. I have hid from my kids. Esther would be like, Daddy, let's play hide and seek. I'm like, that's a great idea. You go hide. (laughs) Ah, she did it too. All right. But you love them, right? And it's not always a feeling but it is a choice. And when it comes to using our gifts, he's gonna give us the principles about how we use them. And I want you to know that these are not feelings because when it comes to church, like there's just sometimes you don't feel it. Like I don't feel like going to church some days. I choose to go anyway. I don't feel like going to small groups some nights, but I, I do it anyway. I don't feel, people are like, I, don't, I just didn't feel worship. I didn't realize we were worshiping you. 
No, you don't, you, you don't feel worship. You choose to worship because God is worthy. Not based on your, your feelings. And so when it comes to using our gifts, we have to do so in a way that is following the principles. Here's what he says. Love is patient. What does that mean? It means that when it comes to growing in your gifts, you have to be patient both with yourself and with others. See, people oftentimes think like if somebody has a spiritual gift, they have to be good at it immediately. I, I have the gift of teaching. I preaching and teaching. The first couple of years of our church were bad, really bad. I'm amazed that you came back each and every week. I deleted most of the sermons off the internet because they were that bad. <laughs> but through preaching and growing and studying and learning, I grew in my gift. I had to be patient with myself. And the church has to be patient while others learn to use their gifts. So just because you start off doesn't mean you're gonna be amazing at it. You have to grow in that gift. And so we need to be patient with each other as we learn and grow in our spiritual gifts. How about this one? It says, love is, love is kind. When you use your gifts, you're creating an atmosphere within the church where people feel welcomed. As you're using your gifts, it's an act of kindness towards somebody else because you don't ever know what somebody else is walking through. You don't know what somebody else is going through. As they come through the doors of this church, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, it could have taken everything that they had to be able to get in these doors. And when you have a handshake, a high five, when you make eye contact, you look them in the eye and say, I'm so glad you're here. All those are gifts that you're giving to somebody else. The handshake is hospitality. The I'm so glad you're here is the gift of exhortation. You're using that gift to create a church where people feel, feel welcomed. And then number three, it says, uh, love does not envy. One thing that I wanna just tear down is gift envy. Oh, they got this gift and I got this gift. Look, the Lord determines who gets what gift, when they get it, what season and what reason, not us. We can ask for the gifts, but God is the giver. And so we don't need to be jealous of somebody else has a gift. And some churches are like, oh, that, they have the gift of prophecy. And I have the gift of administration. I got the gift of helps right? Do you need some help with that prophecy? Uh, I could help you with that. And then people feel less than. Listen, there's no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, and our Father does not play favorites. He knows exactly who needs what, when they need it, and the reason why, and he will bless you with the gift that he wants for you. And so don't be jealous or envious of somebody else's gift. That's not the way love operates, it says love is not arrogant because when somebody does operate that way, then all of a sudden they think the gift is about them and they stop thanking the one who gave them because now their gift has become a God. And when that happens, you're guilty of idolatry using what God has given you for yourself rather than giving glory back to him. Love is not arrogant with their gifts. It says that love is not rude. When you come to church and you don't serve and you make Sunday all about you and your experience, what you're actually doing is this, is, is you're taking from people rather than giving to them. Did you know that you can pray before you come to church? You can pray for the gifts to be in operation before you come in. You can say, my pastor's preaching, God, give him the gift of teaching. Let every word he say be accurate, no more and no less. God, I know there's a lot of single moms in our church, so would you highlight one so I can bless them with $20, pay their gas so they can get back home? Could you, would you, God, I know that I'm gonna pray, the altars are gonna be filled, I know your spirit's gonna move, and then you make church not about you, you make church about God and others. Church is not always about what you get out of it, that's the byproduct. 
It's about glorifying God, loving God, and loving people. And so when we come to church and we make it all about us rather than glorifying Jesus, that's how gifts turn into uh, being, being inconsiderate and rude. And it says this one, love is not irritable. Sometimes more seasoned believers can get frustrated at kind of immature churches. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest. Our church, we're kind of like uh, Britney Spears. So you say, what do you mean by that? <laughs> not a girl, but not yet a woman, all right? We're in between in that weird, awkward stage. I would sing it for you, but I already played the piano for you, so I'm not doing that. You know the song, Not a Girl But Not Yet a Woman, right? Okay, all right. So our church is still growing. We're, we're in that awkward stage. Like we're not kids, but we're not fully grown yet. We're in that little in-between stage. And some of the more seasoned saints who've been in church for 20, 40, 50 years, they can look at redemption and be like, there's a lot of young people. They're not good. They don't know their Bible. They're not growing. They're, they're, they're image, they're, they haven't discovered their gifts yet. And then all of a sudden you'd be like, well, I'm just frustrated here. Because like, you know, I go to Bible study and they've never read the story of Melchizedek and how could they not know that, right? <laughs> well, maybe what you need to recognize is your frustration is God showing you your next ministry. Like if you're one of those seasoned saints and you look around and you see these immature believers, instead of getting frustrated at them, take them out for coffee. Become a spiritual father, become a spiritual mother, help them grow in their gifts. Listen, we need the older saints in our church. I look around the room, I see a lot of amazing men with white beards. We need you in our church because you can help some of these young men grow in their faith. You can help them buy homes, love how, teach them how to love their wives, raise their kids. You, you can teach them things that their dad never taught them because their dad was never home. And so they might not have had a physical father, but you could be their spiritual father as long as you don't get irritable and begin to judge, but rather you begin to love. It says love is not resentful. It's hard for you to serve someone that you're bitter with. And so if you wanna use your gifts in a way, then we need to encourage and bless rather than be bitter. And the number eight, it says love is truthful. Here's what we see is that it, not only is it truthful, but it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It doesn't celebrate or get glad when somebody fails, but rather it rejoices in the truth because it wants to see what God's desires are for another person. It rejoices in the truth. It gets excited. It celebrates. It focuses on the good and it builds each other up rather than tearing people down. God is moving in so many amazing ways in our church. We have so many reasons to rejoice and to celebrate. 71 baptisms. Praise Jesus. We're going to have another baptism coming up that we could break a hundred baptisms this year. We're at four services. We could be at five services. Let's make it 16. Why not? Hey, Jesus, right? We got people sitting on the row. First Wednesdays are filled. Record attendance all the time. Hey, listen, this Sunday, last year, we were at 412 people. And then last Sunday, we were at 651. That's a 58% growth in our church. Praise Jesus. And you know how that's possible? Because you've been using your gifts and you didn't even know it. You've already been using your gifts, the gift, of, the gift of serving, the gift of helping, the gift of exhortation, the gift of prophecy, the gift of administration, the gift. You've been using your gifts. That's why the church is growing. 
because the gifts have been in operation in our church. And let me say this as a warning to us, because this is going to be the last week we teach on the spiritual gifts for several years. I do it every three years. I do a teaching on spiritual gifts. And this is very important. I want us to understand this as a church. Listen, your gifts are your activity. They are not your identity. Giftedness is what God gives to you so you can love others. It is not who you are. I, I hear people, they're like, I'm a prophet. No, you're not. You're a Christian who loves others by speaking encouraging or prophetic words to them, but your gift is not your identity. Your, your gift is your activity. It's not your identity. Or people say, well, I'm a teacher. You have to let me teach. No, I don't. Because you're not a teacher. You're a Christian who can teach and will find an outlet for that, but don't allow your activity to become your identity. Then you're guilty of idolatry. Listen, we do not want our church to elevate the gifts above the giver. We want to learn to use our gifts appropriately so we can love others the way that Jesus has loved us. Here's what he says. He says, to pursue love and desire the gifts. Last point, real quick, the permanence of love. Let me read it. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. For when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now in part, then I shall fully known as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, love abide of these three things. The greatest of these is love. I told you at the beginning of the series that we're not gonna debate the spiritual gifts. We wanna discover the spiritual gifts. And for those of you who want to debate, I said you can email Ethan at redemptiontx.com. He would love to be able to, to do that, but he's not here. So um, I would like to briefly um, give a moment of debate. The doctrine of cessationism, which means the gifts have ceased, it comes from this text right here in 1 Corinthians 13. It comes from this word right here. As for prophecies, they will cease. As for tongues, they will cease. It means to stop, right? And so they would teach that the miraculous gifts of like prophecy, tongues, or healing, they have died out with the final apostles. And I love cessationists. I buy their commentaries. I'm using some of their commentaries for the book of Acts right now. I just don't use them for this because I disagree with that teaching. We would hold to what is a continuationist theology, which means the gifts, they continue. And here's the breakdown, is that they would say that the perfect, what we read right here, is either one or two things. Either one, it is the church, or the perfect is the Bible. So when the church has come to fruition, then the gifts will no longer be needed. Now question, have you ever been to a perfect church? No, if you have, that was a cult. Okay, you got out in good time, all right? You're like, oh, wow, this is a great church. They just gave me some Nikes and Kool-Aid. Run! <laughs> church is not perfect, right? And then they say the Bible. Listen, I love the Bible. I preach out of the Bible. My dream is to preach verse by verse through every book of the Bible by the time that I die. I will close the Bible and close my casket. That's kind of how I, I plan my life. I love the Bible. But look, it says here that when I am fully known, then I will be fully known. And then it says, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I've never looked face to face at my Bible, right? It's not talking about the Bible. We've got to keep it in context. Well, what is it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's actually talking about the second coming of Jesus. It's saying when Jesus returns, the gifts, they will cease. 
Here's what we saw in Acts already. It says, in the last days, your young men will have dreams, your old men will have visions, your sons and daughters, they shall prophesy in the last days. Have you turned on the news? We're in the last days. Jesus, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he's closer today than he was yesterday. And until Jesus comes back, the gifts, they continue to be given and they continue to operate in miraculous and powerful ways. But listen, it says here that the gifts will cease. And so I actually believe the gifts will cease. It's not a, but it's just a question of when. I believe that when we get to heaven, you're not gonna need spiritual gifts. And so in a sense, I am a cessationist, just not yet. And here's the reason why, because in heaven, you're not gonna need to speak in tongues. It's the tongues of men and angels, which means in heaven, everybody's speaking in tongues. Take that, Baptist. <laughs> in heaven, you're not gonna need to evangelize. You know why? Because everybody's already there. In heaven, you're not gonna need prophecy because if you need a word from God, you can just go ask him. In heaven, you're not gonna need the gift of evangelism or the gift of hospitality. Like, hey, would you like to come over to my mansion in heaven? No, thanks, I got my own. <laughs> you're not gonna need the gift of serving because there is no trash on the streets of gold. And so my encouragement to us as a church right now is this, use your gift today before you lose it tomorrow. You only have a short time while you're here on earth to use your gifts because when you get to heaven, you're not gonna need them. But for now, we wanna use our gift before we lose our gift. That's why he says to pursue love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And I've had to repent in my life for not desiring the gifts because to not desire the gifts is to be disobedient to God's word. I mean, God's word straight up says right here, desire the gifts. And you say, God, no, thank you. You're denying your father in heaven from giving you a gift. As a child, what would you do as a parent if your child said, said no, I don't want your love. I don't want your gifts. It'd break your heart, wouldn't it? Well, God has gifts for us as his kids. He wants to bless us with. And if we don't desire the gifts, then we're not gonna grow in our relationship with God. God wants to give us gifts. But we need to learn to use them in the right way. I'm gonna call the band up as we get ready to close. Here's my last thought for you guys as we head into our prayer moment is that we are to desire the gifts, but we are to be defined by love. Like the last thing that I want for redemption is to become known as the tongue church. That's gross. <laughs> Greet each other with a holy kiss unless they're Pentecostal, because they use tongue. <laughs> we don't want to be known as the tongue church. We don't want to be known as the prophecy church. My wife laughed, okay. <laughs> we don't want to be known as the gift church. We want to be known as the church that is known by our love. Jesus says like this, the world will know you are my disciples. How? Because you speak in tongues. No, that's not what he says. He says, the world will know you are my disciples because you prophesy. No, that's not what he says. The world will know you are my disciples because of your love. And when we love others, 
we will discover our spiritual gifts. Listen, I believe in tongues. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the gifts of healing. I believe in all those things. I wanna see those things. We're gonna open the altar in just a moment and we're gonna pray for those things. But listen, our church will be defined not by our gifts. We will be defined by our love. The way we love people, the way we help people, the way we bless people, the way we serve others, the creative atmosphere that we create from the parking lot to the pulpit, the way we, the way we teach the kiddos in the back to be creative and have fun, the way we support single moms and the way we send missionaries around the world. Like people might walk into redemption and they would say, I don't agree with their theology, but I cannot deny that they have loved me well. Our church will be known by our love. So as a church, if we could stand together, I wanna read this as we close out this section. And instead of saying love is, I want us to say redemption is. And let this be a declaration for us as a church. Let's say it together. Here's what we read. Redemption is patience. Redemption is kind. Redemption does not envy. Redemption is not arrogance. Redemption is not rude. Redemption is not irritable. Redemption is not resentful. And redemption is truthful. And more than that, we rejoice in the truth. Can I get an amen?